Aloha. Could you give your pastor a great big hand clap and all the leadership here in this house? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, clap like you have some caffeine flowing through your blood. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here, Pastor John. I want to I wanna thank you publicly, and I also want to say thank you to making me feel so welcome. I was so excited that uh, they paid John to have me to come here. This is amazing. I just feel... Uh, I'd do anything to come back here. The experience was uh, exciting, and I was thrilled, and it was a highlight of being here in this great nation and this great city of yours. I'm just extremely privileged, and so I don't take it lightly, and um, so let's get right into it. They only give me two hours for my session, so I want to make sure that I get everything I possibly can in there, and some of you are getting nervous just with saying that, I know. Father, we do come before you in the name of Jesus, and certainly we want to thank you for your presence already. Father, we can walk out of this place and say you have visited us, blessed us, Father, with your presence, with such amazing, authentic praise and worship. Lord, Lord, you inhabit the praises of your people, and surely you have. Lord, we ask that now, that you would cause this word to come alive in each and every one of our hearts. Father, I'm here to serve and I'm thanking you, Lord God, that I'm working alongside you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. We want to start off by having you look at the screens, if you would, please. Can you roll that? Everybody has a story. But not every story that everybody has is a story that everybody wants. Um, there, there were 7.5 7 billion people on the planet. 
And I want you to look at it from this perspective, that there are 7.5 billion stories, and those are 7.5 billion stories that Jesus Christ is fully capable of changing from wherever it is to the best that it can be in him. And I want to share that with you this, uh, this morning. I want to talk to you about stories. And um, because there's two kinds of stories on the planet. There are those stories with people who don't know Christ. And there are those stories with people who know Christ. What I'm trying to share with you is that everybody in this room and outside this wonderful church has a story. We all don't know what to do with our stories. Some of us have given up on our stories. Some of us have unfinished work with our stories. I want to try to help you to understand. But when the Bible says, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that he sent his son into the world, that whoever would believe upon would not, not perish. You know, I want you to look at it from this perspective, not changing scripture, that's John 3, 16, as you well know, is that Jesus came to change your story. Now, I want you to reflect, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit will illuminate what your story actually is. Your story is not that person's next to you, same story. But you see, you and I, if we are believers here in this house, you know, we don't just have a story. We have a redeemed story. We are stories of redemption. And in that, that says something, you know, about our life and about what Christ paid for. And yet, it doesn't mean that we don't go through challenges. And sometimes amazing people like you and I who go through challenges end up giving up on our story, don't like our story, but don't know what to do with it. And yet Christ has brought about these incredible changes. I love stories of redemption. I love stories where Christ reaches into the darkest, most troubled, twisted, and messed up type of situations that absolutely looks impossible of ever being something that can be... Uh, uh, come to a, a fullness or a better place. And yet, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Ghost, there is something that can happen. And I want you to realize there are no impossible stories. There are no stories on the planet. I don't care what you all thinking about. That God cannot redeem. That God cannot save. That God cannot deliver. See, the thing is this. Logically, we think that a story can get to a point where it's too dark, too troubled, too twisted, too lost, too deep, too far gone. And the list goes on and on and on. But that's your logic thinking. But the Bible says we are to trust the Lord with all of our heart, lead not to our own understanding, acknowledge him in all of our ways, you know, and, and he will lead us and guide us. So I want you to realize, so when Jesus talks about redeeming us, he talks about taking us out of a place of powerlessness and giving us power. And I want to talk about that for this moment. Let me remind you of a passage, and I don't have time to read it, but it's in Genesis chapter 18. There are many, many, see, the, when you read the Bible, you're reading about the stories of real people's lives. Stories just like you. That's why they're there. Stories that faced the impossible, insurmountable, unthinkable, and yet things happen that you and I call miracles. That's because, you know, God stepped right in there. All he needs is your faith. All he needs is you and I to trust him. He didn't ask you to figure it out because you and I already know we can't figure it out. And that's the beauty of our life. The beauty of our life is we are to rest in his power Instead of trying to play like we got the power, you know, in our own selves, I mean. For example, there is, a, there is a, an individual, many of you have heard of him, read about him, Old Testament, New Testament, his name is Abraham. And um, all of a sudden, the Bible says in Genesis 18, that from verse 1 all the way, to, anyway, through that chapter, just read it. The Lord comes to, to visit him. And, uh, and, and there's something that was, is said. 
He said, my Lord, this is in verse 3 now. The Lord comes to visit him, and Abram, Abraham at that time says to the Lord, he says, um, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass me by. Now, that's Old Testament. We don't live in the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. I just want you to know you already have favor. The favor of God is already on your life. If you say favor is all over you, slapping everybody around you. Come on, somebody. You, all, you didn't hear what I just said. <laughs> Sorry. Just went back to the hood. Anyways, um, but I want you to realize that, that Jesus came to change humanity's story. And so Abraham, Abraham says this, and, uh, but it's interesting. Then the Lord's having, having some fellowship with, uh, with, with Abraham. And apparently there's, there's several tents there. And if you go and read it, you'll understand. So Abraham and the Lord are in one, one situation. And Sarah, Abraham's wife, is in, another, in uh, I guess, in another tent. As you read this, uh, you can see this very clearly. And uh, all of a sudden, in verse 13, the Lord says to Abraham, speaking to Abraham, according to the time of life, behold, um, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son. Well, Sarah was next door, but she had her ear pressed up against the tent. In other words, she was eavesdropping. And it's one of the gifts that women have. Anyways, uh, but I just want you to realize, that's how they get their detail. I'm just saying, hey. I know about women, and don't look at me like that, women. Come on, somebody. I have a lot of estrogen flowing in my home. I got four daughters, an amazing wife, and they let me know. Anyways, uh, what's going down in life? Amen. So, um, but it's interesting that, you know, <clears throat> Abraham heard this. He says, one year from today, I'm going to change your story. One year, you're going to see, I, you know, you've been waiting, I promise, and, and you've been in faith, and your story that looks so impossible, that looks, you know, unchangeable and even unthinkable, you know, is going to be changed. I just want you to understand why God has stepped into your life. Yes, he stepped into your life. Of course, we are thankful for our salvation. But life doesn't end there. That's where life begins. It's if when you understand, you acknowledge every good thing in you in Christ Jesus you got to realize you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are the temple of the living God. Now that you are redeemed, you have the mind of Christ. Somebody get a hold of that. And anyways, you know, we as believers don't want to act like we're not redeemed. We better start believing that we are redeemed because we are the redeemed of the Lord. We are the church. We are the church of the blood-bought redemption of, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so anyways, Abraham, you know basically is looking at the Lord, you know, because nothing up to that point, a lot of mistakes happened up to that point, nothing has happened. Time has passed by. And some of you in this room, some time has passed by with the story that you might be thinking about right now. And you're just kind of like, yeah, you acknowledge it, but you're really not thinking anything can change about it. Because it just looks, it's beyond your logic, it's beyond senses, beyond circumstances. And you're looking at whatever situation you might be uh, pressed about. And Sarah next door laughed within her. Of course, none of you have ever laughed. Now, in this case, you know, people think that they can laugh within themselves and the Lord doesn't hear it. Laugh. The Lord hears everything. <laughs> and then and at that very moment, um, the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And Sarah wasn't even there. And Abraham goes, I didn't hear anything. Abraham, you know, the man, he said, well, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> he didn't because she laughed within herself. Great question. For the same reason that sometimes we laugh when we hear your situation could be turned around by a God who makes the impossible possible. By the God of the turnaround, the God who said, I can redeem anything if you will but trust me. And I just want you to realize, 
So he has the Lord, apparently steps out, has a little conversation with Sarah. And, um, and the Lord asked her, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. Imagine that conversation going on. God, I didn't laugh. What are you saying, Sarah? I have hearing problems? You know what I'm saying? Uh, but this is, this is the, the beauty of this whole passage. I'm, I'll get to this. And the Lord turns to Abraham and Sarah, <clears throat> but he says, why did she laugh? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? And you got to realize their body, I mean, you have to understand, the factory to reproduce a child had shut down, closed down, rusted over, had cobwebs. It wasn't going to work in the natural. It absolutely was. There is like, these parts don't work anymore. You know what I'm saying? Y'all don't know what I'm saying. You are too sanctified in this place. But, uh, I don't think you can get too sanctified. But anyways, I want you to understand. He says, according to the time of life, you have to understand he is time and he is life. He says, according to the time of life, behold, you know, your wife will bear a child. And, and this is what I want you to hear in this, in this time frame that we have together. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. But we can say no on the outside, but, but say on the inside, but you don't know my story. You don't know how long I've had my situation. You don't know how impossible this thing looks. Sir, pastor, whatever your name is from Hawaii, you, you know, it's easy for you to say that because you dance around pineapples and papayas all day long. You know, your, your churches and with, with, you know, I know you have this imagination that people walk into my church and they have beach chairs there, <laughs> like back. And how did you know? But anyways, the point I'm trying to share with you <laughs> is to, you know, it is, anyways. Um, and I just want you to understand that Jesus came to change your story. And I've come to you today with a message of hope, a real message of hope. A message of hope that is not fabricated. A message of, of hope that is not just um, a great platitude that you can hear. And you walk around like, oh, that was cute. Yeah, I'm not here about being cute. I mean, I'm here about your life. And, um, and of course, that is exactly what this church is all about. But Jesus came, and I want you to get this, to change your story. And I want to challenge you as to what that is. I want to challenge you of how you think about your story right now. How you've already defined it. How you've already locked it up. And I didn't say you're not grateful for your salvation. Of course you are. I'm not saying you're not thankful for the wonderful things that God's done up to this point. Of course you are. But don't make that an excuse to not want to see your story change. Because all you're saying is that I do think there are things in my life that even though he says nothing is impossible, my life happens to be different. Don't compartmentalize your life and lock God out when he's trying to get in. All he wants you to understand, he didn't ask you to figure it out with your senses because you can't. Whether I'm talking about your business, whether I'm talking about your body, whether I'm talking about your family or your marriage, whether I'm talking about the child that you haven't seen, and I'm talking about the division that's gone on between family members or other people or things that have just had you divided from situations and just, you know, and I'm saying that a lot of us, every one of us have tasted the negativity in this world. But it doesn't mean we have to live negative. God has a beautiful story for you. It's a story of redemption. And the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Why I love this change of story phrase, I'm going to share with you where I got it in just a second, is that 
when you understand that he is the change of story and he loves you so much that he came for your story, for your story, not just your story before you had met Christ, but your story before Christ and through his blood, he changed your story and he keeps on changing your story because we're a project. We're under construction. Hey, can anyone tell? Anyways, <laughs> but he came to destroy the spirit of powerless living. An unchanged story, when you begin to tolerate, and I said this before, and that is whatever you tolerate, you authorize to stay in your life. And although you don't necessarily think this way, when you think that something is actually unchangeable, that you don't even want to apply your faith because of the way it looks, the way it sounds, and the way it's been for generations and for, or for time, then you're actually allowing yourself to be tainted in your faith. And don't do that. Don't buy in to a lie that's contrary to the word of God. Because this word tells you exactly of the character and the faithfulness and the loyalty to God. So what if no one believes that your story can change? And Romans chapter 3 verse 3 says, you know, Paul says, what if some do not believe and are without faith? Does their faithlessness and their lack of faith nullify and make ineffective and void the faithfulness of God and the loyalty to his word? And in verse 4, he goes, this is from the Amplified. In verse 4, he says, no, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't care who's told you what about what's unchangeable or impossible in your life. God has already defined your life. He's already said what he can do. All he needs you is not to figure it out. You and I are not running the company. We are just following him. Come on, somebody. And he says, if you'll just let me lead you and guide you, I'll change your story. Somebody get excited for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You see, the... Um, the only way we can really change our story is to cleave to God, to believe in God. And he's an amazing story. This I know. I don't know much, but this I do know. You know, I do know, as I just said a moment ago, that every person in this room, no matter how you carry yourself, no matter what kind of mask you put up, and I don't mean to be, you know, uh, disrespectful in any way, and I'm not. I'm just simply saying that we, we tend to hide behind things. We tend to be pretenders. Anybody ever hear about a player? Okay, anyway, so, anyways, you know, they, they role play and they masquerade their way through life. And they, you know, and they, they just bury so many things because they just don't want to deal with it. Because they, they think it's, it's impossible to change. But I'm talking about elevating your joy factor. I'm talking about, you know, living, you know, towards the end of your days. You ought to be more excited about God. God doesn't want us to turn into prunes. You know, all bitter about life. Honey, I used to be like you, excited, but one of these days you're going to learn. <laughs> Help us all, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> but see, everybody has a story. That's the first thing I know. This is not going to be like super deep, but <laughs> um, everybody has a story. The second thing I know is that everybody's story, and this is what I love, everyone's story is important to God. There are so many people in the church, and this is a great church. I mean, phenomenal, but in any church. I don't care how powerful or how big or how small, it does make a difference. That there are just people who bought into thinking, you know, as God is just too busy for my story, for my life, for the situations. You know, and then we begin to get a little bit on the religious side. You know, we compartmentalize God, as I just said a moment ago, and we agree. We begin to say certain things because of the right things to say, but our faith factor isn't at that same level. See, because you're saying like, yeah, I can believe in a story, but... No one's done what I've done. No one's failed the way I failed. No one's been defeated the way I've been defeated. 
I made some choices. I knew I made them. They were the worst thing I ever did, but I don't think I can ever be restored. You know, I just want you to understand that is who I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be that grave, but I just want you to know that God is no respecter of persons. And that's the beauty of the Bible. Jesus came to personally tell you how much he loved you. And he came to change the complexity in your mind of your story that seemed impossible because he is the redeemer of your story. And the, what, the, the third thing I want you to understand, you know, after the, that your story is important because it is. And that is not, not every story that everybody has is a story that everybody wants. You know, we have some stories and we've gone through some things and we carry some things in our heart, in our life, in our memories. And just sometimes it doesn't seem that we can shake them off. Doesn't mean that we're not a priest. Doesn't mean we're not saved. Doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. But we just kind of live a little bit on the tainted side. And, and that's going to affect your joy. It's just going to affect everything about you. And God wants you completely free. God wants you in the fullness of his peace. And I just want you to understand that the fourth thing is everybody's story can be changed by Jesus, no matter who they are. I know, I've been there. I'm sure Pastor John has been there. I'm sure some of us have been there. We see people's lives, uh, maybe in the church, but certainly outside of the church, and it just looks like, oh, no, 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 that? They're like way over. I mean, they're like over the cliff and falling. I mean, they are the definition of how and back. Come on, somebody. And, and you know, and just, it looks that bad, that negative, because of the way you're living. But sometimes we forget where we all came from because we all came out of the harvest fields. And there's just nothing that God cannot redeem. And God's amazing grace is exactly that. We don't understand it. We cannot comprehend it. We try to define it. But I'm here to tell you, it is difficult. And all you can do is to trust it. But see... In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the Bible says, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. The word author is someone who writes a story. But it also means someone who creates a story. See, he's not done with your story, you know, and he can take any story, anybody's story, and make something that wasn't anything into something. You, you know the amazing thing? The amazing thing is he can take a story that now because of the events that it's gone through is nothing but a pile of ashes. This is what Isaiah says. And make it into something beautiful. Now you can't even comprehend. How do you get some ashes into something beautiful? It doesn't even make sense. And that kind of, that, that challenge and that, ch I can't even visualize that. I can't even see that. I can't even comprehend that. I understand. But that's exactly who God is. He just tells you what he can do. He's not waiting for your definition of him. He just wants you to understand. You can be a pile of ashes, and you'll still make something beautiful out of that. It's so, it's, see, and that's why your logic cannot fit into all of this. For example, the story and, um, where God spoke to me a couple of years ago along this line is from 2 Samuel. And it says like this from the message Bible. It says, God made my life complete when I placed all the pieces before him. He gave me a fresh start. I feel put back together. It goes on to say in verse 25. He said, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart. You know, just the, the wording of that, you can tell it's about a story. You know, and the person who wrote this 
is a man who's in his later later years and he's reflecting on what God has done in his life and how God has intervened and how God has been merciful and, and God delivered him out of things that where everyone gave up on him. And he had some of the most tragic situations thing, happen in his life, things that he caused and things that other, other people caused against him. And yet what he's saying, you know, in his final years of his life is that God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart, which is the key. God gives nothing you can hide from God. But without you wanting to give it to him, he can't do anything about it. This man, as you all may know, is David. And you all know he went through an adulterous situation. You all know he had um, Bathsheba's wife, uh, husband killed in battle. You all know he completely, he completely crossed every boundary. Every boundary. The respect to humankind, the respect to God, the anointing. He got to this place for a year and a half. He was living this way. He was living this way until Nathan the prophet walked up to him, gave him a story. And David said, you know, that man ought to be thrown in prison with this and the other. And he said, but you're the man, David. And David could have took Nathan and said, how dare you as a prophet talk to me like, don't you know why I'm throwing Nathan in prison? But you know what David did? He fell to his knees. He fell to his knees. And that's why, even though it was not right, God was able to change his story. God was able to change his story. As you know, every one of us, well, not every one of us, but there's so many people that call themselves God-centered. That would have kicked that man right out of the church. Would have had nothing to do and walked away from him because, no, no, you crossed the line. And I get it. There's nothing right about what he did. But see, that's why we can't comprehend God. That was a pile of ashes. Could you imagine living like that all your life? I mean, for a year and a half, trying to hide that secret. There's no way that David wasn't miserable. There's no way that he wasn't feeling the pain of that, the ache of that. You know, he was just trying to go through life until he was called out. And what he did when God, when God unveiled that to him is instead of getting arrogant, prideful, defensive, you know, whatever a person could do, you know, at that point, all of a sudden, what ended up happening, because he repented, God changed his story. And I just want you to understand that sometimes we get into messes, don't we? Or things happen to us. Things that we never signed up for. Things that we never wanted. But they happen. And if you're not careful, you'll let that taint you. Things can happen in the church and things happen outside the church. Some of you might be carrying offenses, you know, and strife in your heart for something that happened in your life outside the church. But do you actually think that the offense that happened on the job is not affecting you in this church? Do you actually think that something that happened to you on the job is not affecting your marriage? Because wherever you go, there you are. That was deep. <laughs> it really was. So I'm going to share with you a story of a man. His name is Hio Pelesasa. Hio Pelesasa is... Um, well, he has a story that it got so bad, um, you know, in his life that he never, you know, people looked at him and were afraid of him because he went and served in our military, as you'll see, and uh, he was marred with PTSD. And it just looks like, I've seen some people, we have a lot of military in Hawaii, and uh, that, you know, you just can't look at it in the natural. 
You just can't. Because if you try to read the signs, you'll say, that's impossible. Can't do that. Can't do that with your life either. As hard as that is for you. Maybe today is your defining moment. But you'll say, no more thinking like that. All things are possible for me. Amen. In Christ Jesus. Watch this if you would please and we'll close. Uh, wrong one. Thank you. He was doing his job. My name is Hio Pelesasa. Thank you. And this is my story. While serving in the military for 10 years, I did two tours in Iraq. On my second tour, my platoon went on a specific mission. This mission had a huge effect on my life. On our way back to base, we were doing an IED sweep. I noticed an Iraqi digging a gravesite. It looked really suspicious, but I didn't say nothing about it. On our way back, an IED that was planted under the dirt exploded. We got out of the Humvee, and as I turned back, all I could see was dust. My sergeant that was sitting in the front screaming for help. The gunner at the top hatch was my roommate, passed out, and the driver was unconscious. As I was pulling out my sergeant, uh, one of his legs was shredded with blood um, gushing out. I gave him the IV in his arm, and the medic showed up and took over. Transitioning back to life here at home, it was really hard. Very difficult to say the least. I started to experience that I wasn't thinking right. My sleeping patterns were off, and I had nightmares about being in Iraq. I was diagnosed with PTSD, which stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. My behavior was getting out of control. I started breaking anything and everything in my house that I can get my hands on. I also started chasing after cars on the freeway if they cut me off. When I got mad or if someone angered me, that would set my PTSD off. If someone looked at me funny, like they wanted to fight me, I would want to hurt them physically to the point you're literally killing them. All I knew is that they were gonna hurt me. So to hurt them, my mission was to kill them. One day I told my brother to do something in the house, and when I got back, it wasn't done. I got mad and asked why it wasn't done. He gave me attitude and looked at me like he was wanting to fight me. So in my mind, I felt he was going to attack me. So I beat him up. But my real mission was to kill my own brother because my mind told me he was going to attack me. Luckily, someone stopped me. I was like a madman. I needed a f to find a shovel. I needed to hide because in my mind, I saw the enemy coming. I started digging a hole in my front yard. My family was scared of me and at this point, they didn't know what to do. But I kept digging a hole to prepare myself for the attack that was coming. 
One night I went to Zippy's and I saw this guy I used to train with at the gym. And we had a bad fallout because of my PTSD. So I decided to go over to say hi to him. And he looked at me, backed up from me, and he said he didn't want anything to do with me. I tried to explain to him that I wanted to, to say hi. And he kept making a scene. So I got mad and I started yelling at him. It got to a point where I felt threatened. And in my mind, I had to attack him before he attacked me. So he walked out and, and I followed him. I continued yelling at him. I took off my shirt and ready to fight him. I was ready just to, to hurt him. Really, I wanted to kill him. The police showed up and he tried to calm me down, but I didn't even care. My focus to get him and hurt him. The police was ready to put me in handcuffs and arrest me. But someone came behind, touched my shoulder, and I just dropped to my knees. And all I heard was someone say, can I pray for you, brother? Just wanted to let you know that God loves you. And this ain't worth it. I remember nodding my head. While he was praying, I started sweating, crying, and shaking. He asked me for my name and invited me to church. He said the service was at the Milanani Theater with a Life Milani campus. I was ashamed of my actions from that night. And I ended up not calling him. I felt that I was going to be judged because of my actions and I don't, didn't want to put myself in that place again. But that was the last time I saw this man. Little did I know that night started a journey for God to change my story. Months later, I was invited again to World of Life, so I decided to visit World of Life on the campus. You know, I, I used to see people again, you know, experience the Holy Ghost and they fall down and I used to make fun of it. You know, I had an altar call towards the ending of the service. I went up, you know, into the altar hall. Next thing you know, I, I woke up in the ground. Um, I didn't know what happened. I, I just woke up and I was like, and then I gave my life to Jesus. Um, one week later, I was attending the encounter. This experience totally changed my life. All the sessions we were taught were very powerful. But the session that stood out the most was about of forgiveness. I was finally able to let go all the hurt, pain, and guilt I had all these years. I stopped blaming myself for the Humvee explosion that hurt my friends in Iraq. I realized that in order for me to move forward, I needed to forgive myself and those who hurt me in the past. Hearing about the vision of this house and the importance of staying connected with people who have the same mindset 
really helped me to stay committed to my walk with God. And I thank God for life groups. I know if I wasn't connected to a life group, I wouldn't be where I am today. And people influenced me to stay connected. They got me connected to this house and the vision. They really helped me to strengthen my walk. They opened my eyes to what a true leader is. I started to believe in myself again, that I am valuable and that I can make a difference in other people's lives and not walk in the guilt and shame that I once did. PTSD no longer has a hold on me. Jesus set me free. He is my story changer. I now have my own life group and I'm a 144 leader. And I can't wait to experience the journey that God has for me. Come on, let's give the Lord a great big hand. Would you please stand to your feet as well, amen? We're closing and, uh, you know, again, I just want to share with you, um, I think the one thing that you want to walk away with is simply this, is that Jesus is your story changer. I want you just to do one thing. I just want you to close your eyes for a moment as I get prepared to pray for you. I want you, if you don't mind, to put your right hand on your heart. I want you to keep your other hand free for just a moment. And if there's a, a story issue going on in your life, in this room right now, I want you to think about whatever that is. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to let anyone else know. But you know what it is. Just as the Lord heard Sarah laugh within her, so the Lord can hear you say, Lord, here's that story that I've been dealing with. You might not have anywhere near a story like Hio Pelesasa. You might not have anywhere near a story like David as our example. But I want you to know that your story, your overall story, is important to God. And you're important to God. And if there's anything that that story in any way has tried to do to you, maybe bring shame or guilt or made you feel a little less than the redeemed, a failure, defeat, a little less than the husband, a little less than the wife, the parent, the child, because it just seems that that story keeps pointing to the failure or the event and you just never let it go with your right hand over your heart. And just imagine with me for a moment as your eyes are closed. The cross of Calvary is before you. The Redeemer's blood drips from that cross. We just sang it a moment ago. And he so wants to see you free and walk in peace. Regain your joy. Maybe your confidence has been tainted. Maybe your courage, your courage in life has been diminished in some way. Maybe you've lost your passion or your urgency. But have no doubts of God's unconditional love for you right now. And if you'll allow the Holy Spirit, if you and I are looking at that cross with a heart of thanksgiving, knowing that without the power of the cross, there is no redemption. And that story, if you'll but trust God, 
in this moment as if there's a piece of paper with that story written on it in your left hand your right hand on your heart we're going to pray just a moment and you see yourself at the foot of that cross you're going to take whatever's in your left hand it's almost like you're going to like toss it I'm not saying physically you have to do it now but I mean you're going to toss it in your imagination the foot of the cross, meaning that you will have to let it go. And whether that story is attached to a name or an event, whether it has failure, whether it has defeat, whether it has whatever it is, or someone's personal name, you're going to have to let it go. And he's reminding you on that cross that we are to forgive others as I have forgiven you. You can do it, child of God. You can do it. The Holy Spirit is brooding over you like the waters in the book of Genesis, waiting to bring His miracle power into your life in whatever category it is. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I am willing to trust you With all of my heart, I'm tired of leaning to my understanding, trying to work this thing out, or denying it, it even exists. But this morning, right now, for all here and before you, I'm willing to let it go. I need your help. I need your help, Lord. Holy Spirit, you've been sent to help me, to strengthen me in moments like this. I don't want to be tainted, troubled in any way with this story that's in my left hand. And Lord, now I see by faith the cross of Calvary before me. I know what it represents. You became my substitute, forgiving me of all my sins, all my transgressions, because you loved me that much. And you gave me power to live this new life. And that power now is the power to release this issue, this story that I've held on to, way too long in the name of Jesus I release this story that has tainted me in the name of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus against it now Lord I'm no longer holding on to it justifying it and now I ask forgive me and I forgive that situation, whether it's a person or whether it's myself, I completely let it go. I will not live dominated by a past failure, defeat or circumstance. And now, Lord, with my right hand over my heart, I pray you would bring healing right now, restoration right now. For I believe 
that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with you. But you need me to trust you. And I trust you with all my heart. And I want to thank you as I receive my healing, joy, peace.